I always find it funny when we read the gospel and you can tell that there, the gospel's on one page and then you have to flip the page to get to the rest of the gospel because I hear a collective page flip from the, uh, from the, the pews or the chairs. But it's a good thing because it lets me know you guys are paying attention. For those of you who know me well, know that I really very much dislike cable TV. I, don't, I do like TV, I just don't like cable. I don't like the idea of cable, paying for something that you can get free over the air. And so when I moved into the rectory last year, that was one of the first things that I did was I got rid of our cable. I don't need it. And Father Galoni had installed a whole house antenna when he was there for one TV that I switched to make use for all the TVs that I have. And so I get 86 channels for free. (laughs) Cut the cord, people. you got to do it. (laughs) But anyway, one of um, my favorite episodes to watch over the air is called Doomsday Preppers. Has anyone ever heard of Doomsday Preppers? Okay, so I'm not the only nerd in here. That's good. But the idea with this uh, TV program is people are showing how they have prepared their entire lives for the worst possible outcome that they can think of. We have people who are preparing for uh, solar flares or preparing for the government to collapse over terrorism or something like that, preparing for uh, inflation, which (laughs) they might might be on to something there. (laughs) But... uh, They spend their entire lives making different preparations. And so the show goes throughout um, and shows us how they've done it, how they've prepared extra food um, through canning or whatever it may be, how they prepare to have extra water, how they've prepped for ammunition or whatever it may be, how they've uh, been able to um, get solar panels or whatever for electricity. These people spend so much time preparing for something that's quite unlikely to happen, if you think about it. It's unlikely that the government's going to fall because of terrorism, then everyone's going to be on their own and not be able to survive. But the people prepare for this stuff. They're called preppers. Preparing. So, and at the end of each episode, they go through the, um, the, uh, the, what do they call them, the... uh, what was that? Credits. The credits, yes, but before that, they go through uh, the experts of preparation, and they determine based on these individuals' preparation for their doomsday as how um, prepared they actually are. They give them 20 points t- total for each subject, most of them don't get more than five or six points. But the idea is, is that, again, these people spend so much time preparing, so it got me thinking, And I thought to myself, how much time do we spend in our lives preparing for stuff? You just think about a meal, okay? How much time does someone spend preparing for a meal? Mostly me, it's putting something in the microwave or in the oven and eating for myself. But if you have a large family, you spend a lot of time preparing for meals. Or what about when you're going on vacation? How often do we over-prepare our suitcases when going on vacation. Let me give an example. Um, about three years ago, I led a group uh, from, uh, from excuse me, uh, Powell to um, Israel and Rome. We spent 14 days over there. And there's a lot of preparation that goes into a trip like that. It was about a year's worth of preparation, but I'll never forget. Now, I travel pretty lightly because, you know, I typically wear black, so I don't need a whole lot. <laughs> 
But this one person who was going on the trip shows up at the airport with these two massive suitcases. Just massive. I couldn't believe how big they were. And they were packed full. And not only were they packed full, when they went to go weigh them, they were overweight, over the 50-pound limit for each suitcase. So this person had brought more than 100 pounds worth of crap from their home to Israel. And I'm thinking to myself, why do you need all this stuff? And I even asked the person, I said, we're not going to be doing a whole lot of traveling while we're over there. You're going to have access to you know, washers and dryers and clean your clothes and things like that. It's not a third world country or anything like that. Why are you bringing all this stuff? And they said to me, they said, Father, you can never be too prepared. Which is true in some ways. And then I'd forgotten this part um, at the 8.30 Mass, but I remembered asking them on the way home whether or not they opened both suitcases while we were away. And of course the answer was no. They had packed too much stuff. So we prepare for everything in our lives. But do we prepare for what matters the most? The Gospel reading today is a warning to us of being prepared. See, Jesus says to the disciples that he will come again, that the second coming of God will come, that Jesus has not just left us to our own devices. And then he warns us in the Gospel reading today to be like the servant who is so ready for his master's return from the wedding feast, so ready that he is able and willing, as soon as his master arrives, to open the door and allow him in. This servant had been sitting up for God knows how long. They didn't have cell phones back in the time of Jesus. No GPS. You couldn't track when uh, your master was going to return. So he had to be vigilant. He had to wait. And he had to be ready at any moment. And Jesus says, blessed is, blessed is that servant. The one who is always ready, always prepared for the return of his master. How prepared are we for the return of Jesus? I think so often we spend our, our lives preparing for other things that we forget to prepare for what actually matters. See, Jesus reminds us that our true home is in heaven, that our time here on earth is very small, that we're here for a reason, yes, but there's something much greater that comes after this life. And we can't forget that. We must prepare ourselves. And so how are we as Christians, as Catholics, called to prepare ourselves for the coming of Christ? Whether it's we meet him first or he comes and gets us. Either way, we're going to see Jesus at some point. We're going to be judged for our actions in our lives. As Catholics, one of the things that we can do to prepare is to pray. Because think about this. If we don't know who God is, if we don't have a relationship with God in our lives, then when he comes knocking at the door, we're just going to think it's some Joe somebody and not answer. But if we have a good relationship with God, when he comes knocking, we're going to know that he is our master, that we are the servants, that we are the one to welcome him into our lives. And so that relationship is absolutely necessary. They told us in seminary, and I think this is a very good thing for us to learn, all of us. 
Because we all live busy lives. Believe it or not, I don't just work on Sunday. (laughs) So I get one day off a week. And Sundays are usually my light days because I only have a couple hours worth of work. The weekdays are the busy ones. But they told us in seminary that if you don't pray in the morning, you won't pray at all. And I have found just how true that is. Because we get so busy in our days that we forget what's important. We're off to the next thing, to the next thing, to the next thing, to get the next thing done. And then when we are gearing up and tired, exhausted to go to bed, we can think to ourselves, how much did I pray today? And I bet most of us, if not all of us, myself included, can probably say, not as much as I needed to. That's a good way to prepare. Begin your day right. The other way, seeking out truth. See, we come week after week to receive Jesus in the Holy Eucharist. He literally gives us everything we need, every single grace we need to live our lives in preparation for his coming. He gives us freely, willingly. But we have to have open hearts to receive it. So having an open heart to what God is calling each of us to do. Recognizing that sometimes, most often, he's going to call us out of our own comfort zone. Because he calls us to grow. Now, several months back, I preached about one of the the things that I really don't like doing, which is public speaking. Kind of goes with the job. So every time I'm in front of you, I'm out of my comfort zone. It becomes difficult sometimes. But that's a good way to prepare, right? Because what would happen for you as, as parishioners of this parish if I came out here on a Sunday and just said, I'm not preaching, ever? I'd probably get a call from downtown. I'm almost certain I would. But it goes with the vocation. So living your vocation in the best way is how you can prepare for the second coming of Christ. Seeking out truth, living a moral life, because that truth actually means something, doesn't it? It's not just something that we say, oh yeah, that's nice, and then live our lives the way in which we want to. We're actually called to unite ourselves to God through truth, morality, justice, peace, mercy, And as we come to receive him every week, we receive the grace in order to follow our call, our vocations. See, the way in which we live our lives is how we prepare to meet Jesus Christ. He says in the gospel at the end that there are two different types of servants. There's the one who knows that he should be prepared, but refuses to. Most often because we're lazy. That servant will be beaten severely when the master comes. That's what the gospel says. And then you have the other servant who doesn't know how prepared they should be. And is still doing wrong. He says that that servant will also be beaten, but less severely. Because he's ignorant. He doesn't know. But we know. See, we've heard the Gospels, we hear the Scriptures, we understand the traditions of our faith. So to whom much is given, 
much is expected. God expects a great deal from us. He asks us to accept his grace, his truth, and to live it. So we can say that we believe, but our actions speak louder than words. Take, for instance, the faith of Abraham that we heard in the, the first reading this, today, or second reading, the faith of Abraham. See, Abraham and his wife, Sarah, were unable to have children. Abraham was much older. Sarah was infertile. And in that day and age, people would oftentimes think that that was because they have done something wrong, that God was punishing them. And so this was a stain on their reputations within society. But they still had faith. They still trusted. And then imagine this. Because of that faith, because of that trust, because they lived their lives as God had called them to, God gave them not only the gift of a son, Isaac, but generations and generations and generations of people. God gave in abundance. And then when God asked Abraham to take his only son, that prized possession that he had, that God had given him, and offer him as a sacrifice on the altar, killing him, Abraham trusted in God and took his son to the altar, laid him down, and then God gave him another great gift, a different sacrifice, allowed Isaac to live. See, trust and faith in God is what permits us to respond to his call. If we don't have trust, we can't have faith. If we don't know God through prayer, how can we have faith in someone we don't know? How can we live out our lives in a way that prepares us? It's impossible. So we have to start from that very basis of prayer, receive the faith, trust, and then live and respond. That is how we, as Christians, as people created in God's image and likeness, live in a way that prepares us for the coming of Christ, for the beatific vision for salvation. And so this week, I'm going to ask you a challenge. I don't give these too often, but this one is a challenge. As we go throughout our week, let us consider some of the things that we spend time preparing for whether it be that meal or whether it be um, a night out with friends, family reunion, my parents' arrival, coming from Florida. Whatever that preparation may be, let us consider how much time we spend on that preparation versus the preparation that we must spend to meet God, to respond to Him. How much time do we spend doing other things? How much time do we spend watching TV? How much time do we spend on our phones going through Facebook and liking everything? How much time do we spend in prayer? And then ask yourself this question. 
Who have I made my God? Who have I given my effort to? And why? Why? 